Welcome to Church Unscripted. My name's John. This is David, and this is Eric here. We're pastors at Brookside, and we're going to have a conversation today, and we're going to talk about a lot. Are you guys excited? I'm ready. We almost, we want to sing, like, it's after the Super Bowl, so shouldn't we have the NFL song playing or something <laughs> like that to get ready for today? And Sunday, you talked about living water, right? And the Holy Spirit being living water. And you t- you kind of went all the way back to Exodus, You talked about David, and then you talked in the New Testament in John chapter 7. And so, Eric, we we joke around here a little bit, and I said I don't work out. What I do is I run, and you lift weights for me. So, like, you can lift me up, (laughs) right? And so I have a a question for you, because I think it's interesting. This is is probably a yes or no question. You're going to be like, why are you asking this? But when you work out, have you ever been thirsty or dehydrated? Well, I, I would say if you're working out and you're not thirsty, you're probably doing it wrong. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're okay. So, so, so if you're working yeah. out, you should be thirsty and dehydrated at some point, right? Absolutely. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So, mm. so what does that feel like for you? You know, when do you know, like, hey, I need to get some water? Well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as soon as you start to burn calories, then you start the dehydration process, and so you have to very quickly. Um, get some refreshment in you so that the calories in your body can work appropriately. So um, when you work out, I and mean, if it's a hardcore workout, you're probably drinking every 10 minutes at least just to um, refill your stores. David, I think hydrated. I've been missing out. I need to keep, I need to drink more water. <laughs> yeah, you do. I need to get one of those gallon jugs <laughs> to sit on my desk. I've right? never seen you drink water. Well, it, yeah, no, well, that's the funny thing about I probably gym, don't drink it? water. It's, I don't know. I see what these it? guys coming up with this gallon jug of water, and then after an hour workout, I'm like, I don't think you took a drink out of it. I think some people oh, just really? carry these jugs of water around just to show off a little well, bit. Well, you but. guys have kind of made fun of me because there's a treadmill under my desk, you know, and yeah. you're like, I've never seen you use that either. It's or, you never know, on. It's never on. So, so the reason I bring working out up, and I think you already answered this question a little bit, is like, does it require more water intake mm. when you work out? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I don't know if it's a certain amount of water intake, but it definitely the pace of intake. So I don't know if it requires that you drink more water uh, over the course of a day, but I, I definitely feel like I do drink more water the more I do work out. So there's a converse thing to that too as well, is the more water I drink, the more prepared I am to have an effective workout. And, and so it's, it's very much of a cycle and a mutual supportive system. Now, some of you are watching right now and you're like, three pastors are talking about water and <laughs> yeah, workout. Yeah. <laughs> and why, where is this going, yeah. right? And so I, I just, as you were talking Sunday, I kept thinking about um, the image of the fact that like we need living water and nothing else is gonna satisfy our thirst. And so why, why do you think God uses the picture of thirst to describe mm. the experience of life without the Holy Spirit? We thirst for living water. Mm. So what does that look like? I mean, and both of you guys can answer this. I... I I kind of have an idea, but I don't have an idea that without talking to you guys. I mean, well, I appreciate that. Go ahead, David, because I know you've got some really good thoughts on this, and I'll I'll give okay, some thoughts re- after. Rephrase it, because I was so, planning on him answering. Oh, first. sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, so why do you think that God used the picture of thirst to hmm. describe life without the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, I mean we it, the it, for it leaves you dry. Like life is dry. Even even I mean, I don't know. That's I feel like that's the easy answer. Like you just say yes or no. It's like I mean, yeah. yeah I think the, the water is like important because uh, without it, you're dry. You're barren. Like there's a lot of language within scriptures: dry and weary, and dry and barren. You know, and so with the Holy Spirit, that gives you 
not dryness. It gives you living water. And I think that's really important. I don't know if that answers your question. I think it goes all the way back to to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, right? It's when you get this picture of the Garden of Eden, it's this lush, um, refreshing uh, Mm. environment where Adam and Eve were placed in. Mm. But it wasn't just the environment. It was the nature or the state of their relationship with God. Mm. So the environment was really a picture uh, of their relationship with God. And then they sinned. And yeah. after that, they were kicked out of the Garden Eden and the place that they were sent to, the environment was, the Bible says, full of thorns and thickets mm-hmm. and uh, very dry, right? So it's very much a picture of what sin has done to our souls mm-hmm. in disconnecting us from God. And when, whenever you're disconnected from God, there is this natural desert feel in your soul because mm-hmm. we were designed to be in a relationship with him where life flows. And I, th- I think as I was looking at thirst this week, um, the the water throughout scripture since the fall has symbolized like a cleansing and a renewing. And I feel like with the spirit, that is what happens. Without that, you're dirty, you're, you know, I think that water, that symbol throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament is really important about cleansing. Like it leads you to repentance. It leads you to forgiveness of sins. Like that's the living water. It was, it was interesting. So when we go to Israel, um, there's a place that we visit. Um, there's a stream, you remember Gideon in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. so where he and his troops bent down to drink some water. We visit that stream, it's really cool. Um, and there's a stream, and if you look into it, there's these teeny tiny little black, I don't know, bugs or insects or whatever those things are. Um, those insects clean the water. So literally you could drink that water that's flowing straight out mm-hmm. of the mountain. And so they say that if those insects or bugs, whatever they're called, are not there, then you can't drink the water. So it, it's something of a symbol of the fact that where the presence of the Holy Spirit is, there's cleansing. Mm-hmm. Where he's not there, uh, it, it's corrupt and it's impure. So, so in essence, when we're thirsting for the Holy Spirit, yeah. it's because we're thirsting for something that we of ourselves cannot mm. have or do, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, yeah. a transformative experience. So I'm gonna go back to all the workout questions because everyone that's watching right now is like, why did you ask all that about working out? <laughs> is it just you're messing with Eric? No, it has nothing to do with that. In fact, my, my question, you answer the question by saying, yes, I think I drink more when I work out. Oh yeah. And so what I was thinking on Sunday as you're talking about this, I'm like, okay, water intake and, mm. and how much water are we taking? How much living water is in my life? How much of the spirit is in my life? How do you think the, the like picture of working out and drinking more water because you're also sweating and water's coming out of you, the, mm. the spirit is going out from you, let's say, how do you think that translates to our spiritual walk? Mm. Like if we were to say working out is being used of the spirit, mm. you need more of the spirit. You become thirstier, you might say. And I think David was really like that. You know, you talked about him a lot on Sunday. And so, so what, how do you think like working out translates into our spiritual walk? If you're using the same metaphor, like that you need more water because no, you're working no, I'm, out. No, no, I'm tracking you know what I'm with you. you. Yeah, you for sure. It? Okay, so like, how do you think that? I mean. So we have been talking, at least the first part of this whole series was on using our spiritual gifts. And so it's almost like God has put us in the game uh, and he's given us these tools, this um, Holy Spirit giftedness Mm. to actually have an impact in the world around us. But whenever we use those gifts, I mean, you've got 
leadership gifts in worship and in song and so forth, and you've got leadership gifts uh, and the gifts the Holy Spirit's given you. I don't have you... gifts of song. No, you don't. Okay, okay. No, you we don't. Know so, yeah. uh, if, if he's off for a weekend, you're not on <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, weekend. Thank you. That's not happening. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. So I'm, I'm... <laughs> if, if we use those gifts, then we're exercising them, and there's spiritual energy in a sense. I don't want to sound new age or anything like that, but you're actually having an impact, and it takes energy, it takes effort, it takes... Um, mental uh, capacity uh, to have an impact for the kingdom. And I think when you're there, you feel the need for the Holy Spirit more. Mm. So your body tells you when you're thirsty. And I think your soul tells you when you need the Holy Spirit. Mm. But if, if, if I have this lifestyle or mentality of, I'm not going to exercise my gifts and I'm not going to get in the game, then um, I, I will definitely have a need for the Spirit, but I won't feel the need. And so I'll live my spiritual life somewhat spiritually dehydrated. And I think there's a lot of people who, who are that, they're that way. I, I sometimes call that um, comfortable complacency yeah. um, or Christian consumerism. Yeah. And, and at that point, it's, it's like if I'm not expending spiritual carbs, then I don't need to replace them in a sense. Mm, yeah. That's you thinking good. anything about, you want to add, David? No, I, I mean, I was, I was actually thinking about that this morning. We spent time as a staff just praying like yeah. being by ourselves. And uh, I went out on a walk and I walked by the creek on the outside and I was just thinking about how, how low it is because it hasn't, it hasn't rained, it hasn't, you know. And, you know, sometimes as rain comes, it begins to overflow and spill over and affect the things around it. And so I think, like, that image of, like, a creek filling up and overflowing, like, now, granted, that would be a negative impact here. We don't want <laughs> yeah. our building to flood, but... <laughs> But that picture of just that overflow of the living water, um, you can't be filled up if you're not emptied first. And so that continued, like, just pouring out. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He poured out his life and was continued to, like, it says the Holy Spirit ministered to him and filled him up. And so I think that, that fits exactly with what you were saying. Well, and, and I also think in some ways we need the Spirit more when we're being used of God you know, because we're going to encounter spiritual attack and there's different things mm. that are happening, especially in ministry. Um, and I think, I think one of the things, um, Sunday that you brought up, you talked about saltwater a little bit. Mm. I don't even have any notes from saltwater, but one thing I did find out today, when you drink saltwater, it actually, like if you drink enough, it will kill you. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Wow. Like if you drink enough because your body yeah. will just basically get more and more dehydrated because it's a preservative it's, and it yeah. retains all the water and hmm. it can actually kill you. So I was like, but yeah. I also like never really thought I'm going to drink gallons of salt water in the ocean. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, like, I don't know if anyone's do not drink salt water. Where's the camera here? Okay. Do not just drink salt water and test out my theory here. Right. right. But I had to look something else up. I always heard that the human body's made up of a certain percentage of water. Right. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so today I found out we're made up of, 60 to 55% water, depending on our body type and a bunch of different things. But if that percentage goes down 15%, it can result in death. But here's the, the amazing thing that I was blown away by. If that percent even goes down one to 2%, you are dehydrated, like could mm. get in a hospital dehydrated. That's how crazy that is. Mm. And what does dehydration result in? Because you use the word dehydration, and I think this is really important. Headaches, tiredness, discomfort, you can actually like physically like feel a certain way. You can, you can basically like people have known to be not able to walk, 
Mm. You know, it's tied to heat stroke, all these different things. And so if we take the picture of the Holy Spirit as living water just a, one step further, what happens when we're dehydrated spiritually? Mm. I mean, mm. like what's the headache spiritually or what's the, mm. the tiredness or the discomfort? And maybe some of us are feeling that, like that are watching and we're like, mm. I really appreciate Pastor Eric on Sunday talking about living water, but I really, I really feel tired right now. I really mm. feel like, how do I get more living water? I need mm. the spirit more in my life. Well, it's got, to, it's got to start probably by evaluating what you do when you feel yourself spiritually sick. So when I get headaches, some of the things that you described, my first thought is, what do I need to do to medicate this? Um, so do I need Advil or Tylenol or whatever it is, right? And I think when we feel spiritually tired, we, we say, what do we need to do to medicate this? And that's where I think we gravitate mm. towards salt water, thinking that it's actually living water. Mm. And so it's, uh, all right, I just need some more time off or I need a vacation. And again, like I said, I need me time. I I need need me time. time. Absolutely. So (laughs) not that those things are bad, but I don't think they were designed to give you spiritual life again. Um, So take the vacation, take the me time, whatever you need to do, but direct the spiritual sickness or dehydration to the Holy spirit who can actually bring life to it again. Um, There's, and a little bit aside to that, you know, whenever we do these things, I'm always thinking, man, I wish I would have put that thought into the sermon on Sunday, right? But it's always like after the sermon, you have like uh, hindsight is 2020. And so you begin to think things like, oh, that would have been really good. Here's what I realized, um, very similar to what you're talking about. When, when Jesus says in John chapter seven, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Mm. I love the fact that he says a river will flow. Um, water that is still and, and mm. can very easily become lukewarm and stagnant and, um, and you know, bacteria infested, those kind of things. But water that moves, the faster it moves, the quicker it can cut through things. Um, in fact, I think water is, is, is the most powerful, uh, in a sense, cutter this world has seen because look at the Grand Canyon. I mean, nobody would have ever th- thought that water uh, would be able to cut through sheer rock, mm. but it did. And now we look at the Grand Canyon thing, man, that is beautiful. And when you look at river systems, you see how rivers can take a turn and then carve it its entire way out of a, out of an, um, a bank. And it's just, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit is called a river of living water. Mm-hmm. The faster the Holy Spirit is moving in you, the quicker that it can break down and cut through mm-hmm. spiritual barriers in your life. Um, and I just thought that was a really cool analogy of, you know, when you and I feel spiritually sick, it might not be because we're just being complacent. It might be because there's some spiritual oppression going on in our life. Um, what if there's some demonic kind of strongholds? The scripture uses that word strongholds all the time uh, going on in our life. And the best way we have to deal with those spiritual strongholds, demonic strongholds, is by a living water uh, aggressively, consistently, cutting against that stronghold so that over time, um, the stronghold loses its foundation. You made me think of like three things while you were talking. Okay. <laughs> great things, great things. One, one of the things I know about water from being in third world countries and watching water sources and things like that, if the water is moving, yeah. it's safe Yeah, because it's cleaner. Mm-hmm. And when water's stagnant, mm-hmm. What happens? Bacteria grows, yeah, infests dangerous. our life right. and everything. So if it, I think it is very interesting when he's talking about flowing 
rivers mm, of living right. water. Yeah. It's not like, hey, there's a there's a cistern mm. in the Old Testament it describes a cistern. It's like, right. well, it's not just a cistern sitting there. It's not something just being filled with water. Mm. You're not just filled with water. It's water that causes you to move and have action. Mm. And the spirit is causing you to do something. It's not yeah. Yeah. Still, well, I so. think in that stagnant water, you mentioned on Sunday that Satan knows what you're thirsty for mm-hmm. or even what would uh, appeal to you to be thirsty. Um, and I, I guess I was thinking, I'm like, you know, we've got to keep that living water, that source of living water moving through us. But what do we do if we're in a place where we're stagnant? Like, what's the practical step forward towards living water? Like, if we know Satan's tempting us or attacking us in a saltwater way. Yeah. What do we do? That, that, that's a really good question. And first of all, I think I need to clarify that every analogy breaks down at a certain point. So <laughs> by suggesting- Do we do that every week? We, we yeah. probably yeah. should, yeah. okay. <laughs> but what I'm not saying is that if the Holy Spirit is not moving in you, uh, it's because the Holy Spirit is getting stagnant. That's not what I'm saying. It's, what I'm saying is that we can get yeah, stagnant. That, yeah, Okay, got just wanted yep. to clarify that. Yep. Um, but I think in answer to your question, I mean, Jesus gives us the first step and that has come to him. Mm. Um, and I think the reason that we can become spiritually stagnant and allow some perhaps demonic oppression to take over in our life is that we have taken our eyes off of Jesus. This is what happened mm. with Peter, right? Mm-hmm. When Jesus invited Peter to step out of the boat and he walked on water with mm-hmm. Jesus, the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and onto the waves, mm. um, he began to sink and, and, and the idea is when you come to Jesus, you're not just coming to him, you're keeping your eyes on him. Mm. And then the rivers of living water will flow within, mm. from within you. Um, so I think there's plenty of ways that Satan knows not just what makes us spiritually thirsty. There's plenty of ways he knows how to take our eyes off of Jesus mm. so that that water either slows down or becomes standing water, mm. spiritually speaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and sometimes when I've talked with people and I'm sure you both have, it's like, they're like, I'm really struggling with this and I'm struggling right. with this. And I'm like, so when do you struggle? Where do you struggle? Mm-hmm. Why are you still going to those places? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, well, you're not going to the living water in this situation. Yeah. What you're doing yeah, is you're just right. going to the wrong, well, you're drinking salt I, water. Well, and you're, I, you're, you're guzzling salt water and you're dying and I can see it. You know, yeah, like drinking stop drinking water. the salt water. Well, I wonder if sometimes, I've wondered this in my own walk, like there's times when I feel, feel dry and the first thing I do is like, I'll Google like sermon on, you know, weariness. And I listen to a sermon and I'm like, oh, I felt good. Okay, I'm good. And then next day is just dry again. And then so then I'm like looking for a podcast or I'm looking for a book or something. And, and you're quoting Isaiah 40 to yeah, yourself yeah, over and over. But, but like, <laughs> I've, I've realized that I have to go to the source like the regurgitated information from a pastor or a podcast or a book is definitely helpful. We love your sermons, Thanks, by the way. Thanks, appreciate um, but, <laughs> but I think a lot of times we can almost use somebody else's work with the Spirit as a crutch and, and as a fake water source for ourselves. And so I would just, I know for me, like I've found, I've got to get in the Word. I've got to pray. Um, and that that's changed the way that I recover when I feel spiritually dehydrated. Yeah. Well, and so, it's a little bit like almost milk and meat kind of. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, in reality, like you're choosing, you're discovering yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a lot harder when you're listening to a sermon or this, this or that person talking about it. I do have something that this may open up a can of worms. Okay. I've got a question that I really want to ask. 
I kind of subtly, like, I like how you came back with that because I think this is the core issue with thirst, spiritual thirst. Hmm. So you can disagree, this is a leading question, but why does it seem in our society that we are impossible to satisfy through anything? See, I, I mean, just, I I mean just, is that, isn't that that the American way? I, I mean, where consumerism is God, hmm. consumer is a king, and you're not satisfied in, until you have the next best thing. I mean, that, that's the nature of our culture. And I even fall into that trap too. I mean, I, I get something that I want and then I love it. But then as soon as I look up, there's the next thing that's better. Mm-hmm. And that's just not with the kind of car I'm driving, the kind of house I'm living in. It's for some people, it's the kind of wife they have or the kind of husband they have, or it's the kind of job they have. It's, mm-hmm. you know, what I have is not good enough. So we've trained ourselves thanks to our American, you know, <laughs> success. Mm-hmm. Um, that what we currently have is not good enough and therefore I need something better to itch or scratch that, that, um, that itch of you know, feeling fulfilled and, mm-hmm. fu- and feeling um, at ease mm-hmm. or um, valued. Well, and, and I know, David, you're going to have some thoughts on this, so, yeah. but I, w- I want to say something right after you said that. I think you just identified what I think is one of the core issues with thirst is we're not, encouraged in our culture to be faithful. Mm. I don't mean that to a spouse or a family member. We're not encouraged to be faithful at a church mm. corporately. We're not, we're not encouraged to be faithful to our kids. We're not encouraged to be faithful in anything because no one decides to work 40 years. I just read about this. <laughs> and basically the average person leaves, leaves a job every five years mm. and moves every six years. And so if that's the case, then we have lots of mobility. Mm-hmm. And in reality, with that mobility comes a lack of, of legacy thinking. Like, mm-hmm. what's my legacy in the future? What are my kids going to mm-hmm. look like? How are they going to act? How am I investing in them? How are they hearing the gospel in my mm-hmm. life? How, all that stuff happening is not there because we have this insatiable desire for what's new. Mm-hmm. Marketing, every mm-hmm. commercial is, you need this because your life is absent without it. Mm-hmm. Every commercial is really preaching a gospel to you, yep. isn't it? I mean, yeah, it let's is. just be honest. I, so I, I remember reading, this is, this is a couple of years ago, so it's probably more than this, but the average person on one day, here's 300 messages mm-hmm. trying to sell them something. 300 messages. Yeah, it's I'd a lot. Say, it's, I'd say now it's even more. Oh, it's got to be. You can't open Instagram without an ad popping up. But are, are we reading yeah. 300 verses in the Bible? Are yeah, we reading I, I, yeah, one verse? Quite a bit. I mean, yeah. You know what I'm well, saying? I mean, Maybe you only need one verse to counteract all that. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. interesting. Um, I thought of transparency and vulnerability, and that's why we <laughs> have this problem. But you mentioned John 4 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite passages, mostly because it's about worship. But, um, <laughs> mostly because it's about worship. <laughs> but what's, what's interesting is Jesus meets the woman at the well. Yep. And he calls her out. He, he exposes and makes her vulnerable and says, where's your husband? She's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not married. Oh, yeah, I know. You've had five other husbands and the man you're with now isn't your, isn't your spouse. Um, but then that leads her to repentance and then to worship. And I, and I was getting this picture of like the Holy Spirit as living water leads us to repentance and then that repentance turns into worship. And where, wherever our heart is, wherever our attention is, that's what we worship. So it all kind of does come back to worship in the sense where 
if I take my eyes off of Jesus for a moment, I begin to worship whatever marketing is trying to sell me or whatever my, you know, whatever I'm coveting from my neighbor or whatever it is, whatever I want, I begin to worship that thing. The living water can't flow through me because I'm not seeking the living water. I'm actually worshiping something else. I'm seeking that salt water. I just thought it kind of came full circle. And I feel like that's where our issue is as a culture is worship. We, we have a longing to worship something mm. and whatever you're going to sell me, I'll worship that for a day and then I'll move on to the next thing tomorrow. And Jesus is like, hey, come to me. That's right. Worship me. Yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting on something Jesus said uh, elsewhere. He says, my people, my righteous people will worship me in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Um, which would suggest that you can sing songs here, but unless you're in tune mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit, your worship right. is lacking. Um, yeah. because it's not based on truth. Mm-hmm. So that is really and interesting. It, and, and that's where it says it in, mm-hmm. in 424. But the, the interesting thing is that it says that the, the father is seeking such people, which means that they're few. And that's convicting to me. Is like, if the father is seeking worshipers, that means that there's, there's a mission. It's not the norm. It's, yeah. There's a mission for us. Sure. Well, and sure. definitely... I, I think one of the things, just so people don't get intimidated, like, am I worshiping in spirit and truth? Am I one of the few? You know, (laughs) I'm I'm just, so they don't get intimidated by that. I mean, you mentioned David on Sunday, and Mm -hmm. I mean, not to unpack David's life, but you said some things on Sunday, and I'll kind of rehash a little bit for those Mm -hmm. watching is, one, he committed adultery. One, he was always on the run. He spent less (laughs) time on the throne. That was a good observation. I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, what? This guy was a a mess. He was a Mm -hmm. terrible parent. I mean, if you look at what happened to his kids, um, his own son tried to kill him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a disaster. And then we get this phrase that just blows my mind until you think it through. But he says, David was a man after God's own heart. Mm. Why was he a man after God's own heart? And I keep going back to the Psalms when he says repeatedly at different times, you know, create a clean heart in me. Mm. He, he was a man of repentance, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's going back to the yeah. worship part is repenting. He turned, he did not go back that way. Yeah. And I think some of us think like, well, I've gone that way. I'm too far gone. Yeah. Or I, I, I don't have living water right mm-hmm. now. Or maybe, maybe I'm just watching this because I scanned YouTube and mm. I looked up Church Unscripted, right? <laughs> and I think in some ways, David, you, you made an excellent point here when it was talking about the Father is seeking such people. Mm-hmm. And I think, if, if honestly, we need to seek him. It's a reciprocal mm-hmm. relationship. It's yeah. not just a one-way relationship. So, draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. And so, so many of us are probably like David. And I would say, like, mm-hmm. I feel like David a lot of days where I'm just like, oh, God, what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, what is going on? And we can either turn towards that devastation and shame mm-hmm. and become stagnant ourselves or we can turn to the living water and allow God's Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to flow through us and out. Well, I think, I think you're making a good point because people might be asking, you know, how do I know if, if the, the rivers of living water is flowing in me mm-hmm. outside of just the fact that I'm saved, right? It's, yeah. it's I think repentance is an indication of yeah. that, mm-hmm. which you see all over in David's Psalms. I mean, there's repentance everywhere, especially yes. after he, he made those stupid mistakes with, you know, Adultery and murder and cover up. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Stupid mistakes? <laughs> those, uh, okay. Those are, a, is that a light way to put it? Yeah, that was okay. a light way. I was like, 
worst mistakes yeah, yeah, on the book, breaking <laughs> right, the Ten right. Commandments over and over. I mean, just whatever yeah, absolutely. you want to say. But I mean, if we were all honest, I mean, we might not have had those same kind of mistakes or sins in our life. Uh, but we cannot be the people that says, you know, I'm going to throw a stone at David because he's a sinner and I'm not, right? Yeah. So the difference between David and us is not the sin. It's, you know, in the very next moment, um, did he in repentance turn back to God and mm-hmm. therefore the living water came in, refreshed him and so forth and, mm-hmm. and set him free. And I think that's what we're going for. But I want to take that thought if I can and direct the question to you because in a worship setting, especially mm-hmm. in church, we've been talking so far about what this looks like for us individually, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering what does this look like for a church corporately? Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about like the big C church. I'm talking yeah. about Brookside church and every local church. So mm-hmm. I find it interesting that there are some Sundays that people say, man, I felt the spirit moving, mm-hmm. you know? And other Sundays is like, eh, it's kind of dry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what makes a church experience full of the Holy Spirit where he's moving, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about rivers of living water mm-hmm. flowing, right? Uh, compared to an experience where it's like, ah, I just didn't really feel him that much. And I suspect it's probably far more to do with the volume of the music, the level <laughs> of the lighting. Are you, uh, wait, 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 are you talking about ju- preferences? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm hearing that. I mean, like, if, I'm hearing if preference. If I'm singing the kind of songs that I like uh, in mm. a setting, an environment that feels good to me, then mm. man, the spirit's moving. But mm. if it's not, because we've had that experience. We, on the very same experience Sunday, we've had people say, man, the Holy Spirit was here and moving. And somebody else that same Sunday said, nah, just wasn't into it today. Mm-hmm. So worship pastor, tell us, <laughs> how do we know <laughs> if a local church body has mm. I'm not talking about if we're saved or not. I'm talking mm-hmm. about, are we allowing the, the rivers of living water to flow within us so mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can do what he wants to do? How do, how do we know that wow. as a church? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think it's a posture of the heart and it's a posture of the mind. Um, our act of worship is the renewing of our mind, um, worshiping in spirit and truth. Our hearts are all a part of that. Um, I've had moments where I'll... I'll be leading and I'm like, I'm not feeling this. Like I, I wait, don't admit that David. What are you talking about? I'm admitting it right now. (laughs) Um, But I mean, but that's a, that's a heart position. Like if, if I, if I walk into an environment, um, it's on my heart posture to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do or to just say, yeah, I'm not about that. Um, Some of my favorite times of worship are the most imperfect. And I think it's just because it's in a setting where my heart is in that right space. And I don't care if the music is off pitch. I don't care if the piano is tuned. I don't, I am completely in awe of who God is and how his spirit's moving. And I think in our, in our culture, our consumeristic culture, a lot of times we can limit the spirit to our preference and that's not biblical. Um, but one thing I will say is, is with worship, like for me as a worship pastor, I would love every Sunday to walk in this room and have every single hand raised, everyone on their knees. Like I, I would love that. I would love for people to experience that. But throughout scripture, you see so many different expressions of worship and there's no right way to worship. And I, I've really been challenged on that. Because, like I said, I want the hands raised. I want kneeling. I want dancing. I want shouting. Like, that's, that's where I feel uh, most uh, 
welcome. I don't know if that even makes sense. Um, but I've, I've had to learn like Abraham worshiped different than David, different than uh, all, the, all these different people throughout scripture. And so um, it's, it's a posture of the heart. And I, and I don't think it's, if you're limiting your, uh, if you're limiting the limit, living water in your worship to your preference, you're missing out on the living water. I think that's a dangerous, I think it's dangerous to determine for yourself if the Holy Spirit's moving in a local body because some of the things you just described, like if every one of us were in here mm-hmm. raising our hands, you know, those kind of things, a more charismatic expression of worship. Some people are like, man, the Holy Spirit's moving. Other mm-hmm. people would be like, man, y'all are just some emotionally manipulated mm-hmm. people, right? Yep. Um, and, and they would shy away from that. So yeah. on the one hand, it's like I am assigning the Holy Spirit's movement uh, to something he's not actually moving in. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's the Holy Spirit's moving and I'm not willing to see it. Well, I would, the, I would argue that- Well, the Holy I, Spirit's moving and not willing to see it. Okay, I, I gotta <laughs> say something about that once you're done. Because it's, just say it but, now. Just, just say so it now. here's the deal, here's the deal. You've said this, I've said this, I know. We've talked about this. Sometimes when you're preaching, you really don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is in those moments. It's like, okay, is the spirit moving? I'm having a rough day. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing the spirit move. And those tend to be the times that people go, that sermon was awesome. Yep. And you're just like, <laughs> Same that thing. was like, yep. I felt like I just dragged a dead dog on stage <laughs> yeah. and just left it there. And, and that listen, was my sacrifice. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. So <laughs> I, I am appreciative every single time somebody says something like that, especially on the days where I'm like, yeah, that sermon didn't really land very well. And they still yeah. compliment me that way. However, I still think we need to be careful because in scripture, the evidence of the Holy Spirit revitalizing a people, that's what mm-hmm. living water does, yep. Yep. is not in the response to an experience. It's in response True. to to God. And so mm-hmm. repentance and confession and renewal mm-hmm. and commitment, even baptisms, mm-hmm. those I think are all indicators of, all right, the living water is taking effect in these people. Mm-hmm. And I think things like worship and preaching can be a catalyst mm-hmm. or a foundation for that to happen. But for somebody to simply to say, man, that was a really awesome sermon. People have said that about, about sermons hundreds, thousands of sermons throughout history. And those sermons were full of heresy and, and junk. Yeah. And True. I'm not saying well, that Well, tickling preach. ears, tickling yeah, ears. Exactly, they just, exactly. you know. So we just have to be careful that even though, mm. even though we might have a worship experience or a sermon that is like, yes, I love that. Was that necessarily the Holy Spirit or moving? Or was it just your preference? Or was it just your preference? Or well, yeah. well, I was going to... Stop talking. I'm going to stop. Kidding. I'm I'm stop. You go, you go, you go, you go. You talked over me like, no. You got, right. you got I was just going to caution us to, to I think... Oftentimes you, you said this, like, I didn't feel the spirit move. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't moving. I think we have to be really careful with that mm-hmm. statement. We're talking about living water. That's right. He's always moving. Yeah. It's a matter of if our heart's in tune with his. And so we have to, we have, to have the spiritual eyes to see how he's moving outside of our preference, outside of whatever we're feeling, outside of anything. He's yeah. always moving. Um, I mean, we're seeing this with Asbury. I mean, we, we haven't really talked about this much, but I mean, there's... Tell people what's going on. If, if so, so there's a revival happening. 
Um, I know you're not. Su- did you look it up yesterday? Oh, I totally looked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I researched. I yeah, researched. yeah, I'm That's sure what you I did. Do. So, That's what I do. <laughs> uh, so there's a revival happening where they started Chapel Wednesday last week. My and, alma mater, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It's all, all because of you. No, I'm, just well, Ooh. I'm just kidding. Hey, the Spirit's not in that. That's heresy. Wait. But I, um, so we're seeing this. And this was an act of, this was not planned. There's no, there's no agenda behind it. This is just people. They had a chapel. The speaker gave a uh, a response, and it led to days and hours and hours of revival to the point where I think you said Sunday they said, "Hey, we're going to break for dinner," and no one left. Mm-hmm. And people from all across the country are coming to that place. Well, today on Facebook, I'm seeing my alma mater having a revival because of that spilling over. Students went to Asbury. They're going back to Cedarville. That's happening. I'm seeing it at different universities today. And I just, it's amazing. And it's outside of production. It's outside of perfection. It's outside of anything that my preference would probably be. But I, I, I follow a few people who've been there and they're just like, it's like nothing you've ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. That's the Holy Spirit moving. Yeah. People are repenting. They're confessing sins. They're loving each other. And I think the work is cut out for us then when we have a revival experience to actually sustain that to our neighbor, to our friends, to the people in the grocery store. So there's a lot of work to be done through this revival. But again, that's the living water just coming through, cutting a new new stream. Yeah, and I think I love what you said. It, none of this was planned. They were just doing yeah. what they were scheduled to do. They brought in a speaker to preach a message. And, and how not many, for the, not for no, the no, sake no. of having a And he a probably revival. preached that same message dozens of times if yeah. he's a guest speaker, right? And probably all those times beforehand, he probably had some people say, yes, I loved it. Thanks yep. for that great message. But yep. which, which means when the Holy Spirit wants to really move and bring living water in such a profound public kind of way, yeah. You can't plan for it. You just simply need to be in the flow of it yeah. when it happens, which is why I think we as leaders have to be really careful. Mm. We don't say things or create an environment to hamstring that. And one thing that I hear, not necessarily us, but, but people all over the church say all the time is, hey, when you come in here, hey, leave your mess at the door. And, you know, and just, just forget about all that stuff and come mm. in and worship. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If if we're inviting people into streams of these living water, <laughs> yeah. why are we telling them don't bring your sin to the living water mm. so you can be revitalized? Mm. So it should be, no, no, bring all your mess in here yeah. and put it at the foot of the cross because that's where the streams of living water yeah. actually are. So um, if you ever hear me say that in a sermon, you ought to slap me after the we'll service, come, okay? No, we'll no, come up on stage. I'll come up on stage. <laughs> I will <laughs> run in. You told us <laughs> not to say that, yeah. So I just think we have to make sure we're creating an environment where people feel free and invited to bring their mess, whatever that sin is. And if they have to confess to us, we've got to be willing to hear that and draw them to Jesus. Um, And uh, I I think sometimes, I think the church over the last decade or so, not Mm. just Brookside, but churches have become very scared of those moments Mm. because you're not sure how to handle you're when not in control. Really yeah. You're not like in control. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, and, and the reality is it's going to be awkward. Sure. But it's not going to feel awkward because it's a move of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You will not notice the awkwardness. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be so in awe of who God is that you'll, you will not. Like you think for over 100 hours they had all their worship for, at Asbury. They have all their worship music planned and how if somebody gets tired on the piano, how's that transit? Like they're not thinking about transitions. They're just pursuing the, the spirit. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I love that when living water happens, unity happens because you're seeing different denominations, different viewpoints, all coming together at this seminary, worshiping together. So when living water moves, preference out the window. Yeah, and go ahead. And, and not, not to pivot too much, but you mentioned worship Sunday mornings. We talked a little bit about preaching. We talked about revival. And I think when revival happens, it spills over. You talked about at the grocery store, everywhere mm-hmm. else. It's so like a huge part of having living water work in our life is not Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And so when we are stuck in a preference-driven mentality in our worship, mm-hmm. we're going to be focused only on Sunday mornings potentially or only on mm-hmm. getting fed that way when in reality, like, the Holy Spirit's going to move in all the other hours of the mm-hmm. week. You know, that's not the only hour that the Holy Spirit moves. I'm sorry, David. Hey, I'm I, sorry, Eric. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> but I I'm agree. just saying. Yeah. No, but I'm saying that's, <laughs> that's not the only hour. I can think of so many times, even recently, where I've met someone somehow, and then I see them again, and I'm like, this is a divine appointment. I've got to find out something about mm-hmm. this person. I see him somewhere else. I already know their name. I start talking to him, and then I'm realizing the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to talk to this person. I need to pray for this person or do something mm-hmm. with this person. And, and I think... Many times we look at those things and we unspiritualize them as not an act of worship. Mm. In reality, it's not a coincidence. Mm. God put me there at that time for that purpose. Mm. Much like revival starting, God put that speaker there that preached the same sermon at that time for that specific purpose and the Holy Spirit, the living water moved. And so I think we all Mm. wanna be a part of that. So the thing is, when you said hamstring, is we hamstring the spirit by not paying attention mm. to the living water happening in our mm. life. I yeah, don't know I mean, but could... that's why that phrase is so important. Jesus says, the living waters will flow from within you. And it doesn't mean it will stay in you. It could flow from you to other people, which is why mm-hmm. uh, the tongue is such a powerful tool. I mean, scripture says that with your tongue, you can tear somebody down and you can mm-hmm. set an entire forest ablaze, right? Yeah. But also with your tongue, you can encourage and lift somebody yeah. up. And, and so when you find yourself in that some, whatever that divine encounter was, right? You're like, okay, I'm just gonna say something that should encourage them. And it might sound, it might not be much, but it's exactly what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And that is something the Holy Spirit can use to revitalize that person. And that's living water. Um, and I think that's, that can happen all the time. People have done that to me. Um, and hopefully I've been able to do that with other people, mm-hmm. but I think the Holy Spirit likes to do that with us, through us more than without us. Pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think God uses yeah. us that way. Yeah. yeah. But what's cool is, I mean, if if, if we could have a, li- a piece of paper, uh, the three of us could probably spend five minutes nonstop writing names of people right here at Brookside who we have seen over the course of years have a revitalized soul in them mm. from who they used to be to who they are now. Yeah. Um, and they are very, very tangible and visual uh, indicators of how living water actually works. Mm. And um, that's what we love to see here. That's why we're here. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Do you guys? Do you have anything more, David? Today, no, I think. I think good. today. I I don't know how much more we could talk about. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for the next few weeks when we talk more about the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. the different names the Spirit has. So, 
Eric, can you just tell us what next week is? So people no, have, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, oh no. Okay, we're not going to know gonna that, that yet. Sorry. So thank come you. Come Sunday. Yes, <laughs> come Sunday. So thank you for uh, being here with us for Church Unscripted. Um, hit the subscribe button. Fifty-eight percent of you are not subscribed, so you need to subscribe. Hit that button, and we'll see you next week, which we're going to be continuing to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm just really excited to hear about the other names for the Holy Spirit after we talk, talked about living water today. So we'll see you next week. And I don't know. I got to come up raised at the end like the newscast. Uh, see you tomorrow. No, it's not see you tomorrow. No, we'll that was see really you next bad. Week. Okay. Just say thanks for being here. Thanks for being yeah, here. Yeah, there you okay. go. Okay, <laughs> thanks for being here with Church Unscripted.